Well, Razorback fans, we have some news when it comes to a player that's staying pretty shocking and a player that might be coming, which is very shocking, or at least in theory it is. It's all coming up on today's Locked On Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I'm also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037 The Buzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Thursday as there are a few things in basketball. You know, it's funny, like you think the season's over and then it just continues to get you some more content, which is great because, I've, as you know, I love Razorback basketball. I love college basketball in general. And so the fact that we're able to, to come here and talk about it and have some news from it and everything uh, makes it that much more fun. But I will say, though, that yesterday when the news came out that Jalen Graham was returning to Arkansas, I was a little shocked. And we'll say, and I'll talk about why, because it's not for the reasons that you may think. But it, it was a, just a simple video that, that was put out yesterday uh, where Jalen Graham goes on social media, goes on Twitter, and just puts out this long video of his highlights and everything at Arkansas. And then the end of it, it just says year two, as in like year two at Arkansas, as in he's coming back and playing a second season at Arkansas. Now, he was a guy that obviously had a lot of skill sets. He had uh, he scored double figures in uh, six different games. He had 26 points on 12 of 15 from the field against Florida, which he dominated that game. Uh, he also played in 31 of 36 games for Arkansas, had uh, averaged almost 10 minutes, but with uh, 5.2 points and 2.3 rebounds. Uh, he was, at, of course, that all-second-team uh, Pac-12 performer back in 2022, and he shot 65% from the field, 0 of 3 from three-point range, 13 of 35 from the free-throw line for 37%. Whoa, yikes. And then he also had seven points, five rebounds, a steal and a block in the three NCAA tournament games for Arkansas. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was, that was something that was something. Cause when I saw that he was coming back, I was like, okay, so what does this mean? Like how, how did this happen? Well, first off, let me, let me say this. Cause what I'm about to say is not going to be anything sort of like, you know, mean or overly critical or anything like that. I was just shocked that Jalen Graham was coming back because I felt like he didn't really like his time at Arkansas. Just my reckless assumption. I have no, like, again, no evidence of that or, or anything like that. But when I was just kind of going through my gut feeling and looking at the the situation, I'm like, okay, he was on a team that didn't have Brazil and he was able to play some here and there, but seemed like he had a quick leash where he was yanked back out if he uh, didn't play defense or didn't rebound to the way that he was supposed to. Uh, it seemed like uh, that maybe it just wasn't. Uh, something he was enjoying as much and he wasn't getting as much playing time as maybe he would have gotten at other places. Just when you start connecting all the dots and start putting it all together, the logical conclusion would be is that he's going to be moving on, whether it's his decision or whether it was Muss's decision or the team's decision. I just didn't think he'd be coming back. And now it looks like he is. So let me be very clear. I'm glad that he is coming back. I was someone who didn't, I haven't ever wanted him to go. I thought he would just because of the reasons I based it on, but I didn't want Jalen Graham to leave. I think there are a lot of things about Jalen Graham that can improve and can 
make him a really, really good piece for Arkansas basketball even next season. Now, there is no doubt, it is unquestionable, the type of offensive game that he has. He has so many skill sets offensively down low when it comes to his post moves, when it comes to his uh, his ability to whether it's over the top hook shot underneath, he can dunk, he's very athletic. Uh, he's, he's got so many different elements to his offensive game down low and post that it, it could be kind of a net matchup nightmare for some people. I mean, there was a reason why he was so good against Florida. Granted, they didn't have really much size down low and he was able to take advantage of it, but like they had no answer for him and he was just mocking them, like just absolutely destroying them. And so when you saw that game, you're like, man, if he gets into a, a, a mismatch or at least a matchup nightmare for somebody else, He's going to take advantage, and he's going to make people pay. So I like that element about him. But the problem was with Graham is that his defense and rebounding was not where it needed to be if you're going to if he's going to play for Eric Musselman. That's what it came down to. And I give Musk credit in this regard. He would play him. He Because I think Musk saw the value in Jalen Graham, especially with his offensive game. And that's why he would put him into the game. He would give him those opportunities to go into the game. But once he goes in there, if he's not playing defense the way that Mus is expecting them to, or if he's getting physically you know, worked and not getting rebounds, whatever it may be, then he comes out of the game. Some people got frustrated by that. Some people say, how, do you, how is he going to get into a flow if he doesn't get into the game? Well, again, it goes back to your identity. If you're a player that has a solid offensive skill set, fine. But if you're going to get destroyed defensively, that's not the way Mus runs his team. That's not the way you're going to get playing time. Like, there's been some really good offensive players, I believe, that have played for Muss, but if they don't have the defense to come along and complement uh, it, you're not going to play. You're not going to get minutes. You're not going to be a major contributor onto the team. But again, it's going back to with other people, Muss probably would have, would have had them ride the bench the entire time. But because of Graham having such a strong offensive skill set, Muss was able to take those risks on him. I did not like the way he shot free throw. He was a terrible free throw shooter. <laughs> I mean, that's just, uh, we saw the stats there, 37% on the year. It's pretty bad. So there are things about him that are really good, and there are things about him I think that if he can work on, he can be a really great player next year for the Razorbacks. Obviously, the defense has to get better. Has to. Uh, again, if you're going to play for much, your defense has to get better. I believe your uh, your ability to make free throws has to improve. He hasn't been good and at all in his college career, this is going to be his fifth year, I think, believe coming up. So, um, uh, you know, that has to get better. You can't be a big man like that and someone who has a great offensive skill set like he does and then expect to be able to be as effective if you can't be any sort of threat at the free throw line because then they're just going to turn into hackagram when the game's on the line or in clutch situations. They're like, hey, he's, he's shooting sub 50%. Uh, odds are he misses, he's going to miss one and probably will miss two. You, you don't need that. You can't have that. So you got to be able to work on that and improve that game. But as easy as it sounds to say, rather it is the actually getting it done. If Jalen Graham gets that off season of development under Muss and continues to work on those things and gets better at that, gets better at defense, gets better at rebounding, gets better at free throw shooting. Is he going to be a superstar in the team next year? Probably not. But he's going to be a much more effective guy in the post, getting a lot more minutes where they can count on him, especially now that Brazil's coming back. You're going to need somebody to complement that. 
Now, I don't know if Jalen Graham's going to start because we'll talk about some other things going on with uh, the transfer portal and everything. But if you're telling me, if you're asking me, like, which were the players that you would like to see back in the post next year, uh, Jalen Graham would have been one of my top picks. And that's nothing against the Mitchell twins. I still don't know what they're going to end up doing. Uh, I feel like now that Graham's coming back and now you have Bayfall coming in and now they're still trying to get some other bigs out of the portal, it would seem that the Mitchell twins are not going to be here next year. But I, I said that about Graham and look, he's coming back. So I could be completely and totally wrong about that. But I, uh, I just think that what Graham is able to bring to the table is going to be a nice complimentary piece and something that, again, the development kind of excites me and kind of makes me feel like, hey, this could work. This could be something that'd be very, very nice and very pleasant. And uh, I, I just love the attitude that Jalen Graham has as well, because if you think about it, like going back to what I said, like the reasons why I thought he would be transferring out, if you think about it, it kind of gave the vibes that he just, you know, if, if I was in that situation, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm not playing enough. I'm not getting opportunities. Uh, I feel like I have it's too short of a leash where if I just do one thing wrong, I get yanked out of a game, you know, all these things. I'd be like, I'm going to take I'm going to take my talent somewhere else where I can at least be the guy that gets a lot more minutes, that starts more and be able to really show out my skill set. Like, that's how I would look at because I guarantee you if Jalen Graham had entered into the uh, transfer portal, there would have been a lot of suitors. There would have been a lot of teams. Now, I don't know how, you know, it would have been big time blue blood programs. Probably not. But there would have been legitimate power five teams that would have been interested in his abilities and his games. So he could have done that and probably gotten a great opportunity. But the fact that he said, you know what, I'm sticking with this. I'm coming back. I want to be a part of Arkansas. I want to go. I want to be continue under Musk. Like all these things. I'm like, you know, that's a great attitude. And it goes to once again to show that so many people who think that Musk is a madman, which he is, he is, or maybe that he's tough to play for. And if the player, if you're not playing or if you're not getting significant playing time, then uh, they don't like you or they don't like Musk or whatever it may be. Look at this prime example of Graham where he could have done that. He could have transferred. He could have gone somewhere else. He could have done something else, but because he likes the culture. He likes it here. He sees development. He sees a future. He's staying and sticking with Arkansas and Eric Musselman. I'm happy about this. I'm excited for Jalen Graham. I hope that he continues to develop because, again, I think he's got a lot of great parts of his game. But I think that the attitude and the decision that he made to come back shows a lot about him. And so I've, I hope that he does really well. And it's kind of crazy, too, because it makes you wonder if Trevin Brazil was not hurt this past season how much would Jalen Graham even have played at all? You know, like I feel like Graham took a lot of the minutes that Brazil ended up uh, uh, losing because of the fact that he was injured all year. So would he have even played that much? I don't really know. So, uh, but again, it's great for Jalen Graham. Uh, I'm happy for him. Can't wait to see what happens with him. And uh, I guess we'll figure out uh, what Musk is going to continue to do in the transfer portal, which we'll talk about one of the big news stories with that here in just a second. But folks, I got to tell you that the NBA playoffs are just right around the corner. And now is the perfect time to download the FanDuel app, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get the no-sweat first bet up to $1,000, and that's bonus bets. If that's your first bet doesn't win, you still get your bonus bets. Just download the FanDuel Sports app today. It's safe, it's secure, it's super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drain to all of that. It's the easiest and best thing you can possibly do. Plus, FanDuel allows you to even combine all your bets for a same-game parlay that has a better chance of getting a bigger payout, which I'm all about because I like to bet you know the little bit of money and make the big money. Seems like it works out a lot of times, and that's what makes it so much fun with FanDuel. So don't miss your chance. 
to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, moving on into the next segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Trying not to get too excited about this one, folks. I'm sorry, I got it. Like itching all over the place over here. I don't know what's going on. It must be that dry weather. Um, uh, but uh, some big news going on right now that's going to get everybody excited and hyped. Everybody's excited and hyped. It has to do with the uh, Michigan transfer, Hunter Dickinson. Now, I am just going to read you the report. That's all we're going to do. This is just what we know right now. Just going to read the report of what's going on with Hunter Dickinson and his connection to Arkansas. Now, Marty Mush of Barstool Sports, who is a guy who knows his college basketball and you know loves sports and everything. If, you don't, if you're not a Barstool guy, that's fine. I actually enjoy parts of Barstool. Not everything, but parts of it. And, uh, you know, Marty, I actually uh, find very entertaining too. But he, uh, he does a podcast with Hunter Dickinson, and it's called The Round Ball Podcast. So it's, it's Marty Mush and also... Uh, Hunter Dickinson. So they do this podcast together, and we know Hunter Dickinson entered into the portal, which was huge news. And I think without a doubt, he's the best player in the transfer portal right now that's available. And when someone like him comes out into the mix, there's going to be every single school from here under the sun contacting him, trying to get some sort of visit or some sort of interview, whatever it may be. Well, on the podcast of the Round Ball podcast, Hunter Dickinson said he had a Zoom conference, a Zoom meeting with Arkansas and Eric Mosman. Now, this would be significant no matter what it is because Arkansas, they're in the mix for everybody. Like, you know, their, their names get thrown out. But as of right now, at least at the recording of this podcast, the only people, the only schools that have for sure confirmed publicly that have met with Hunter Dickinson has been Kentucky and Arkansas. Now, that could mean a few things. If it ends up being 10 different schools and those two were one or two of them, then that's, you know, it is what it is. Like it's probably not that likely. But if it's just a few schools, I'm talking about like three or four schools, that those are the only ones that he's meeting with, then that suddenly gives you a really, really good feeling that you're in the mix legitimately. It's not just something that's like, ah, oh, whatever. You're in the mix legitimately. Because this dude is seven feet one. He's 260 pounds. He averaged nearly 19 points a game, nine rebounds, one and a half assists, and two blocks per game for the Wolverines this past year. Okay? He was first team all Big Ten in 2021 and in 2023. He has started 89 games across his uh, three seasons with Michigan. He has scored double digits in 31-34 games. He has scored 30 points on three different occasions. He recorded 14 double-doubles and shot 56% from the field, as well as 42% from the three-point line, and then 73% from the free-throw line. That was what he did this past year. He was also the Big Ten Freshman of the Year in Michigan in 2021, where he recorded 14 points and 7.5 and rebounds per game. He was the 2020 Gatorade Maryland Player of the Year, uh, he averaged a double-double in junior-senior years. He's number seven center. All of that stuff. And he's not going to talk to the media. He says he's going to keep it as close as he can to the chest and not really open it up or talk to anybody. But Hunter Dickinson 
at least what I'm basing this off of, is legitimately interested in Arkansas. Now, am I going to sit here and tell you that he that Arkansas is the front runner or that Arkansas is in the top three and for sure like something that is like he's wanting to do and he's wanting to, uh, you know, go all in on Arkansas and it's one of his top schools? I don't know. I don't know. All we know is what we know, and that is that he did have a Zoom interview with Arkansas and Eric Musselman. And there's only been two with Arkansas and Kentucky. So here's going to be just my thing that I'm going to throw out there that is just basing it off my pure gut feeling, as I love to say, and pure speculation. Hunter Dickinson is interested in Arkansas for a number of reasons. Because let's, well, let's just start there. There is interest. He would not do Zoom interviews with schools that he didn't have legitimate interest in. Plain and simple. So there's legitimate interest from both parties. Let's set that, let's set that there. But if you add to the mix of why he would be interested in Arkansas, I think it's for a few reasons. One, Eric Musselman has proven time and time again that not only does he do a phenomenal job of getting guys into the NBA and getting drafted, but when it comes to transfers, he is able to take them to another level. Like, think about the transfers that have come into Arkansas. For the most part, I'm not saying every player, but for the most part, every single player, especially the ones that contributed, improved dramatically. Like, think about what Justin Smith did from what he did at Indiana to what he did at Arkansas. Think about what guys like Stanley Amude did. Guys like J.D. Note did. You know, think about those dudes. Think about Trevin Brazil and what he was doing, what he's going to do at Arkansas. Think about Ricky Council, you know, one of the best examples of that. A sixth man at Wichita State comes in, all SEC player, and going to be an NBA draft pick. There's a reason why on my sign over here, take the little phrase from John Rothstein of Eric Musselman, the importer, because he is so good at getting guys out of the portal, into his school, into his culture, into his program, and taking their gun and taking their game to another level. I think that's without a doubt one of the most and most important things, and probably the biggest reason why Hunter Dickinson is interested in Arkansas because he knows, hey, if I'm going to transfer somewhere, I don't want to go someplace that's going to be wasting my time. I want to go to someplace and be with some coach that not only has high level success and has proven that, but can take my game to another level and get me ready for the NBA. That's big. And I also believe with Hunter Dickinson that because of the high quality player that he is. He does want to go to a winning program. Now, I'm sure that there'll be some other fans from other schools that will hear this comment and say, yeah, Arkansas, what do they want? It's 1994. But here's the thing. When it comes to winning in the SEC, Arkansas has, at least since Eric Musselman has been at Arkansas, they're the most winningest team in the SEC in the NCAA tournament. They have advanced the furthest for three straight years of any SEC team. That's a fact. That's a fact. So say what you want about your little SEC regular season titles. That's cute and all. But when it comes to the NCAA tournament in March Madness, that's where the money's made, and that's what actually matters. So Hunter Dickinson sees Arkansas as being a program that, hey, they win at a high level. They get into the tournament. They know how to perform in the tournament, and they play their best basketball when it matters the most. There's a big interest there, too. And finally, I'm not going to be naive about it. Let's not be naive about it, all right? The NIL. Now, I am not accusing anybody or saying anything that Arkansas has come out and said, hey, hey Hunter, we're going to pay you this amount of money to come to Arkansas. There's no evidence of that. I'm not even going to throw it out there as even a possibility because it's, again, we don't know. There's no reason to speculate, and people get in a lot of trouble for that. But as I've said time and time again on this podcast, 
The NIL program at Arkansas is fantastic. They do such a great job with it. They have the best people working on it. And it's there's a reason why you're getting high caliber players in each and every sport at a high clip right now under the NIL. It helps. It helps. And I believe with someone like Hunter Dickinson, and especially with Arkansas and when they're NIL, they give a lot to basketball. And a lot of these basketball players have great NIL opportunities. Because of that fact, that's got to be something that piques his interest as well. Now, he could go to other schools, too, that probably have a lot of NIL. And I'm not saying Arkansas is just the only one. But when you factor all three things within that together, that's where I believe Hunter Dickinson comes into play and says, you know what? Arkansas may be a spot. That might be a spot for me. I want to take him pretty seriously. I want to look at him. And we'll, we'll close the segment with this because, again, I still think it's a, it's a long shot to get Hunter Dickinson. I am not going to say one way or the other if it's for sure happening because I don't want to get my own hopes up as well as yours. But could you imagine? Could you imagine Hunter Dickinson saying, I'm going to Arkansas? Could you imagine having Hunter Dickinson and Trevin Brazil on the court together and then to spell them to come off the bench? Bayfall and Jalen Graham? Dude, man man nope can't do it can't do it i'm not i'm not getting too excited about it i am going to be realistic and just not believe anything until it actually happens but still it's fun to think about right it's pretty fun to think about uh arkansas and Ole miss baseball it's gonna be starting up today so we'll talk a little bit about that on the other side of the break so stay with us here on the locked on razorbacks podcast you are locked on razorbacks your daily podcast on the arkansas razorbacks Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, final segment here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Arkansas and Ole Miss baseball coming up on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. Arkansas is doing well in the SEC. They're right behind LSU. And I think that without a doubt, at least at this point in time, they have proven that they are the second best team in the SEC West. I wouldn't say the SEC in general because the SEC East has actually got some really good teams. Uh, as we know, like Florida's good, South Carolina's good, Vanderbilt's good, Tennessee's good. Uh, so they got some good squads over there. But uh, going on the road, to Ole Miss. Ole Miss is not that good this year. I, I laugh and I make fun of because it's just again, I'm not saying it's true, but it is a little bit uh, interesting how both Mississippi schools are apps are, are shot like they're not good. They're not good teams this year. And Ole Miss has had some injuries. I get it, but uh, Mississippi State's just trash. So it's almost like when both of those teams won their championship, they're like, eh, just mail it in from here. We don't care. It's whatever. We got our title. I want a title, so I can't throw stones. But still, that just gives the vibes. But either way, uh, this is going to be a big one for Arkansas because if they're able to go on the road, it goes back to hosting your regionals because that's what's important right now. If you go out and do that and take care of business against Ole Miss, which I think you should, just win two out of three, you'll be in great shape. Now, Hunter Holland is going to get the start tonight. But tomorrow and sa Saturday, it's to be determined. Will McIntyre has been the guy on Saturdays, but or at least the second day, dude. But he's been sick earlier in the week, so we don't know who's going to start, which could play a huge factor. That's why this game one, I mean, game one is always important in these series, but it might be really important in this one because if Arkansas can at least get that first victory tonight, then they can, you know, not feel as much pressure to say, like, oh, force Will McIntyre to come in if he's not ready. Or, or anything like that, they can at least have some maneuverability over the next two games. So hopefully it's just something that he can get over with or uh, that Arkansas can win tonight and, and be impressed by it. But the thing about it is Arkansas and Ole Miss, not so much in basketball because Ole Miss is such a 
uh, a poverty basketball program, and I know they got Chris Beard, which might make them uh, at least interesting for a little bit. But besides that sport, and football and baseball especially, it is insane, these two teams and some of the games and series that they've had. Like, Arkansas owns Ole Miss in football, like, and has over the past 10 years. That's what's wild about it. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying that they've that Ole Miss hasn't won a few games, but it's like the only games that Ole Miss really won was in Arkansas's worst seasons uh, besides 2021. Like, they beat them in the Chad Morris years, and then uh, Hugh Freeze beat them, I think was the only time he beat them was in Bielma's first year uh, in the past 10 years, which was awful. But besides that, Arkansas has owned them. And Lane, and honestly, that one year that they lost in 2021, it's like Arkansas was this close to winning if they get the two-point conversion. So, But anyway, baseball is kind of the same thing where Arkansas has had a lot of success in the regular season and in postseason against Ole Miss, other than just, of course, the College World Series last year. But there's always crazy things going on. There, there, there are games that will be high scoring. There'll be games that are intense. There'll be games that have a lot of passion, and a lot of drama, and a lot of wild stuff happening, wild pitches. You got, you know, piss missiles going out there. Like, I guarantee you just knowing the way that these series and these games go, like Arkansas is going to either win or lose at some point in time this weekend because of a pitch clock violation on one of the other teams. Like that's what's going to happen because of how insane these games are. So, but I hope Arkansas, again, just win that two out of three, make me happy there. And then they have a big one with Tennessee coming up next week in Baumwalker Stadium, which I'm sure will have no fireworks and no problems whatsoever. But hopefully it ends up being a successful one for Arkansas against Ole Miss this weekend appreciate everybody listening into locked on razorbacks podcast be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on itunes or on google play you can also get after me on twitter at buzz john neighbors for any questions comments concerns that you may have we'll keep it going from there same podcast time same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon have a great day everybody we'll see you then